0: You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 a.m. Every Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. To to Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., our phone number 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sack was rector to Honing Cathedral. Our time is 8.32 on this morning here in Chicago. We just spent a wonderful half hour with Cardinal Blaise Supich discussing uh, racism, peace, coronavirus. And now on the phone, a tremendous priest, there's diocese m- much, much younger than me. Father Matt O'Donnell, pastor of St. Columbanus Parish on East 71st Street in Chicago, joins us by phone to talk about how his community has been affected by both the George Floyd death and the COVID-19 pandemic. Matt, welcome to the program this morning. How are you, Matt?
1: I'm doing well this morning. Thanks, Father Greg, for having me.
0: Oh, thank you. And it, uh, You know, Matt, if you had told me in early March that by early June, all this would have transpired about stay-at-home, you know, COVID-19, uh, racial unrest, I would have said, Matt, you're on a cloud somewhere. Never have I seen our world so flipped upside down in such a short time. And let's just take up, you know, maybe one step at a time. Let, let, let's take it back. Let's begin with the present situation and move backward. Um, how are you feeling right now and reacting to the whole situation that we've seen the last several days?
1: You know, as a pastor on the south side in the Park Manor neighborhood, uh, I just I, I have a mix of emotions. There's uh, a lot of anger uh, over the death of George Floyd, a lot of sadness about what I've seen happen here in our neighborhood and the surrounding communities around Park Manor across the south side. West now, has side. your
0: neighborhood been affected? Has there been blown out windows?
1: So there's a few businesses on 71st Street that have been. Uh, one of our dollar stores, the currency exchange, um, on 75th Street, which is not far from us, a number of businesses there have been affected. Uh, as I move further east uh, towards Cottage Grove and uh, Stony Island, there's a lot more damage. Um, I think one of, the, one of the businesses that's been definitely hardest hit are the banks in the community. Yeah. A lot of the ATMs, a lot of the banks have been vandalized and, and looted, uh, which definitely has a very negative impact for people who live here in the community.
0: Now, let me ask you this. And the part that I just can't quite figure out, maybe you can get a better handle on it. When it comes to protesting and a peaceful protest, as we have seen by many, many, many people, I get it. I support that a thousand percent. But, Matt, help me understand, what is the purpose of pure destruction, violence, and looting, where even the peaceful protesters are saying to the others, this is not who we are? How do you begin to cross that line? And what is, the, you know, it doesn't move the needle to destroy a building or a bank or set something on fire. You know, maybe help me out there for a moment.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where there's definitely not an easy answer. You know, as you say, in, our, in the Catholic social tradition, we have a long history of civil disobedience, and protesting is definitely a part of that. And I think that's why, as a church, we can understand why people would want to use their voice to speak truth to power, to ask for change in the community. Uh, when it comes to the destruction and the damage and the violence that has also gone with with all of this over these last days, I don't think that there's really an, an easy answer. I've spoken to people in the community, um, some of our college students here at the parish, and for some people, it's just this, this rage and this anger that has been bottling up inside mm-hmm. of people this anger that people have been told, you know, not to really talk about, um, to just sort of try to to move on with life. I think after, you know, the downtown area of the city was sort of shut down, it just naturally and organically started to happen here on the south side. And what I could see from being here in the parish and, and walking around the neighborhood and trying to just be present as a priest in the community is that it was sort of, as people saw that it was happening and the police weren't able to, uh, really stay on top of everything that kept popping up in different areas, um, just more and more people were participating. But I think, you know, I've had to remind myself, and one of the things I've talked at the parish about is sort of cautioning, placing blame on people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's so many emotions, so many raw emotions that are trying to be expressed. Um, and then I think, too, there's lots of conversation in the neighborhoods that there's agitators, people who are coming in from outside of the neighborhood who really set off a lot of what's happening. So I think we're yeah, I think in the, process of, it. Yeah, we're in the yeah. process of working with other community groups and organizers to really unpack what's been happening and think about a path
0: forward. Yeah, and I think that you uh, had the agitators from the outside are really destroying what the rural movement is about. But I guess my question to you is uh, how long does this go on? I mean, Saturday night, if take it back, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Last evening, I think, it was a bit quieter, but still some uh, outbreaks. So I guess my question is, how long does this go on, and what is it to prove when you go from mall to mall, major thoroughfare street to another, and blow out windows and steal, And talk about literally, you know, for, you saw in video, we have talked about it like a drive-by restaurant or drive-by uh, fast food chain. It's like you jump out of your car, you run in, You load your hands up, come back, next car pulls up. It's like, what is the purpose of that? That is not furthering the cause or moving the needle in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I don't think that there's a, a, I don't know the timeline, you know, and when it'll end. But what I do know is here uh, on the South Side, there's organizations and churches and fraternities and sororities and just people of goodwill who are out in the neighborhoods, the last couple of days, cleaning up after what's happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to really bring an end to um, some of the destruction that's been taking place, because the community is frustrated. Um, I know my neighbors are frustrated, and people you know, have been afraid the last couple of days to really be out. Uh, and And a lot of the businesses in our area, whether they were vandalized or looted or not, are boarded up and closed. So there's definitely an impact, the restaurants around us. Um, And I think if people were excited that this week, things were going to start to open up in the city of Chicago, now it's another moment of waiting. And I think that will have an impact on bringing some level of, of calm to the city. But I also think it's when there's certain demands that have been asked by some of the protesters might start being met. So I know a lot of people are looking to Minneapolis and wondering when those, if and when those other three police officers might be charged. I think I heard I yesterday here, that
0: the um, the state of Minnesota has sued the Minneapolis Police Department. Police department yeah. I've never heard of something like that. That's, that's yeah, and incredible. I think that's
1: what people are asking for is reform and mm-hmm. accountability. And I know that's what there's many in the city of Chicago that are asking for. Uh, the mayor and the police superintendent for at this time. And I think all of that going together and the conversations that are happening and what we're doing in the archdiocese all contributes to really bringing a sense of healing and reconciliation and, again, trying to discern, well, how do we move forward? What do we do next? How do we make sure that this doesn't happen again?
0: I also want to say, Matt, you and I have both met tremendous, tremendous uh, dedicated police officers, men and women, who have done such a phenomenal job. And I think they, there Absolutely. has to be a shout out for them. And But again, a comment you made earlier is with this whole COVID-19 going back to about March 14th or 15th, and we've been staying at home as best we can, and then just this week when things are about to open up, it's disheartening that we've been driven back into our homes. And if you, you know, couple it with this, many, many restaurant owners that I know are hanging on by a thread to get their business reopened this week. And many of them can't get their business reopened because they've been destroyed. And so you begin to wonder how do you move forward from this where you know it's almost like you anticipate the start of something and you're told you can't reopen like we were going to reopen the cathedral yesterday. Uh had you already opened up your cathedral or your cathedral your parish?
1: We we did open on Monday for private prayer.
0: So you got one what or two days then. Yeah. Yeah, and it uh, it's a slow thing, and uh, and now as you you know as you talk to your people, um, how does the COVID nineteen pandemic disproportionately affect communities of
1: color? Yeah, in the city of Chicago, I think over these last weeks, um, it's something like sixty percent of COVID nineteen fatalities have affected Black residents of Chicago, even though only thirty percent of the city of Chicago population is African-American. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that speaks to something that's much deeper um, about health care and equality in the city and the access that people have to preventative health care. I know in speaking to people at our food pantry who come from the neighborhood, early on there was people who had symptoms and would go to the hospital and they would be told because the tests weren't available, no, you You don't have it. Don't worry. It's pneumonia. It's the flu. It's a cold. And they went home and they ended up infecting or spreading the virus with other people that they lived with. And I think that was a part of what happened so quickly. I mean, one of the things that we did at the parish and we continue to do is, you know, we've we've passed out over 7000 masks to people Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood um, because that was one of the things that I saw very early on is that people didn't have access to that. And it wasn't, there weren't stores in the neighborhood that were selling it. And and for many of our residents, especially those who are poor, they didn't have the ability to just pick some up. And so that's one of the things we've been doing to really try to help prevent. Because at one time, the zip code in which St. Columbanus is, 60619, was one of the five hardest hit areas in the city of Chicago. Mm. And so our food pantry has remained open this entire time and serves to 500 people every week, and so seeing people every week, hearing their stories, and trying to really respond to what their needs were, besides just giving food, um, has definitely been the focus of myself and the staff and the, the parish here at St. Columba.
0: Now, as a brother priest to a brother priest, um, sometimes people forget that we priests are human and have feelings, and we cry, we're joy filled, we're tired. So, how is this whole pandemic and what's going on in the last few days? affected you as both priest and as a as a man
1: i would say that uh i'm definitely tired i haven't taken a day off since all of this started yeah me too. Uh, part of that my own you know doing um, but it's just that every day there's there's so many generous people right now which has been the place of hope for me um, people who want to get food people who have donated money people who want to come and help and so you know, on the days when normally I might have some free time, um, you know, people are delivering food. Like this morning, we just got 5,000 pounds of meat delivered. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been trying to, to be present like that for people who want to contribute to, to helping bring healing. Um, but it's also been painful. I'm also one of the anointers for patients who are confirmed to have COVID. Now, now so we're I... gonna
0: stop right there because we're gonna to have to go to a break. But I want to pick up okay. the conversation after the break about you being one of the priests who ministers to COVID nineteen patients. You are listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM our phone number 312 255 8408 Father Greg Sackless and our guest is Father Matt O'Donnell Pastor of St. columbanus Parish on East 71st Street in Chicago. The time is 8.45. We'll be back after these messages. And again, do not touch that dial.
2: nation in our world people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer they have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength in this spirit of unity the archdiocese of chicago has introduced a call to prayer a telephone line dedicated to prayer if you would like to join with another person in prayer call 312-741-3388 this line is staffed from 9am to 9pm daily with parishioners from across the archdiocese of chicago These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951. Anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
0: Back to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 7:50 a.m. The time is 8:47 on this Wednesday morning in Chicago. A special edition of Catholic Chicago on this day, and our guest is Father Matt O'Donnell, pastor of St. Columban's Parish in Chicago. And uh, Matt, we were saying before the break, I know when the COVID-19 started, there were 24 priests chosen, four from each vicariate, six vicariates times four is 24 priests, um, to who minister to COVID-19 patients. One criteria was to be in good health and under 60. Well, that knocks me out because I'm over 60. I think I'm in pretty good health, but I'm over 60. And so what has been your experience as a priest who ministers to COVID-19? Like, I'll run to the hospital for someone dying at Northwestern, but they have to be a non-COVID-19 patient. So just describe that world to be a priest who ministers to an individual dying of the uh, coronavirus.
1: It's been a very uh, powerful and humbling experience over these last two and a half months of being able to, you know, celebrate the sacrament of the anointing of the sick with people who are in imminent danger of death from COVID nineteen, and and I think the biggest reason is that for most, if not all, of those patients, they don't have the opportunity to be with their family Mm -hmm. uh, in those last day or moments of their life. Um, It's been just amazing. to, to walk into some rooms and people who are alert and who know that I'm a priest are just so excited. Um, I mean, one of the, one woman that I was able to celebrate the sacrament with a few weeks ago, uh, I brought communion so that she could receive communion and to pray, you know, again, the, the, prayers for the anointing of the sick. And she just lit up and she began to cry and she just said how it's been months, you know, since she's been able to receive communion and go to church. Um, so just how, how grateful she was that I was able to to be there with her, and I think that's been the story. And talking to families after I've been able to anoint their loved one, talking to the patients themselves, just a real sense of gratitude for myself and the other priests who continue to go.
0: Now, am I right in saying that uh, if you're in the hospital with COVID nineteen, no family member may come to visit you? Is that correct?
1: In in almost every instance, yes. There, I know there have been. Uh, times when some hospitals or nursing homes have allowed one family member in, maybe for a few minutes, um, but most of the time it's the family contact has been virtual, whether it's through an iPad or an iPhone or, or some other type of device.
0: Which means many of these people have died alone. Yeah, I mean that just breaks my heart when I've talked to family members who have lost a loved one, you know, to COVID-19, and they say that we couldn't be with mom, we couldn't be with dad, or my brother, or my spouse. And uh, that's got to be gut-wrenching. In fact, I'm sure that when you've walked into rooms of individuals dying, you have brought messages from loved ones to share with the person who is dying.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I've tried to do. And I know many of the other priests who are anointing people with COVID have also tried to do is to make sure that we reach out to the families before and after. And, And even, you know, just that, you know, hey, I talked to your daughter before I got here. Just that little bit of, like, connection with yeah. their family, yeah. I think is all—I don't know. In some ways, it's probably just as healing for the individual as actually celebrating the sacrament and, and offering the prayers.
0: Now, as a priest to walk into a room, like, for example, when I've walked into a room in the last month or so, I've the mask and gloves. But now, in your situation, when you go into a, a coronavirus room individual, um, you're are you dressing up in that whole hazmat outfit—
1: So in many of the hospitals, yeah, we all have to wear the PPE. So in some hospitals, we have a hairnet on, we have things on our shoes, we're wearing the gown, a mask, uh, a face shield, um, obviously gloves, um, to be able to celebrate the sacraments safely, not just for the individual that we're coming to see or for ourselves, but then also when I leave the room. Um, That's one of the things that we have to do, too. As soon as we get home, you know, I leave from the hospital or nursing home, I come straight home. I throw my clothes in the wash and I take a shower um, to make sure that you know I'm keeping myself safe here at the rectory. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, do you live in the rectory there alone?
1: So we have a retired priest uh, who lives here too, and then uh, a priest that's been staying with me who's up teaches up at Mundelein. So it's been good to have other people in the house.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, some of our brother priests who live alone, and I, we we both know many. It's really yeah. going to be hard. Who do you who do you share this with? Because You know, I haven't seen my family, haven't seen friends, haven't been out socially in three months now, and as we begin to open, it doesn't mean this whole thing has gone away. In fact, my fear is, with all the unrest that's been going on, are we going to re-spike again in the next couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, I know that's definitely one of my fears and places of anxiety over these weeks is every Wednesday when we have our food pantry. Uh, And just praying and hoping that as we continue our act of charity of Giving to our neighbors, that we do it for our volunteers and those who come as safely as possible, and I think that's one of the places where I definitely feel incredibly blessed uh, is that I've been able to stay connected to people through our food pantry and through the different ministries that we've had going on to really respond to the COVID nineteen crisis.
0: And I'm sure there, you have been a sign of hope when they see you as their pastor, that you know you are the, the captain of the ship there and that you are walking with your people. So just to kind of flip gears, uh, gears again, and that is uh, how has the death of George Floyd, now we're talking about his death, uh, not, not the protest, peaceful, or violent, but how has his death affected your people?
1: I think it's, it's caused further outrage and anger and disappointment. You know, unfortunately, George Floyd, he joins a litany of other people, Uh, in our country who have lost their lives um, because of police violence. But also this past weekend, you know, more than 80 people and more than 20 people, more than 80 people were shot and more than 20 people were killed because of gun violence. And over 70% of victims of gun violence in the city of Chicago are African-American. More than 90% are people of color. So Mm -hmm. I think what happens when there's moments like this where a person like Mr. Floyd loses his life in a public way and it's recorded, it causes trauma for the community and it causes anger uh, in the community. And I think that's where, you know, I as a priest and a pastor ministering here at St. Columbina have a responsibility to find ways to help respond to that. And and the biggest thing and what I know right now that I'm supposed to be doing is listening. It's listening to the emotions, listening to people's feelings, listening to what the community wants to do next, and really trying to lead um, while standing with the community and sometimes even while encouraging them to take the lead.
0: Now, that's a great gift you can offer your people just to be able to listen, let them vent, but also provide direction. And um, also, am I right in saying, Matt, that is the weekend before Memorial Day weekend was the greatest amount of violence we've seen in Chicago in the last five years?
1: definitely and i know living here uh on the south side and and again hearing the stories of people that i know from the community it it takes a toll on people and um it's not something that people ever get used to unfortunately it becomes very normative and there's sort of an i don't know an expectation i guess on the weekends that unfortunately this is what we all brace for and try to prepare for but again i think that's one of the things that I'm most proud of and most grateful of during this time is that our church, and not just St. Columbanus, but the archdiocese and parishes throughout the archdiocese have really remained open during this time, because as COVID has, you know, affected the black community at a disproportionate rate, that has an effect on everything else that's happening in the community, and the same is true for the violence that has been happening, and I think all of that uh, has really boiled over now as we've witnessed as a nation and as a world, uh, the death of George Floyd. Here's the thing.
0: As priests, we have to be uh, men of hope, but we're rooted in the gospel, rooted in the Lord through prayer. And so as you listen to your people, what is the message of hope you're offering? I mean, when you think about it, Matt, I'm 67. I'm much older than you. I've been a priest now 40. In fact, I've been a priest longer than you've been born, 41 years, which, you know, I knew I was old, but not that old. But uh, I've, been, so I've been a priest forty-one years. I have never in forty-one years experienced—we've experienced the last three months—to go from the stay-at-home COVID nineteen, which is far from over. This is not mm-hmm. over. And the same time, and I was around in the sixties with the racial tension and the violence from the Democratic Convention of sixty-eight, and also the death of uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, I was around for that, and that was pretty rough. But this, I'm telling you. Uh, would match it or top it but also coming off of COVID-19 so I think as you listen to your people what can you say to them without patting them on the head that really gives them that sign of hope that we'll get through this and there's light at the end of the tunnel
1: so I think the most recent thing is hearing Pope Francis this morning uh, say the name George Floyd to know that the Pope wow. uh, hears and understands and recognizes what's happening in the United States, and not in a generic way of saying, hey, I see the protest that's happening, but actually said the name George Floyd. That's what all of this is about, Black Lives Matter. Um, That's what the protests are about, is that the names of the people want and need to be remembered. And Mm -hmm. I think to hear the Pope actually say the name Mr. George Floyd is a powerful sign of hope. And it's something that I'm gonna really encourage the community. And then that translates here in the United States, you know, Archbishop Gomez and his statement, Cardinal Supich and what he's calling for in, in the, the reconciliation work that we need to do in the healing. Um, all of that together is a sign that the Church is going to remain present and that the Church wants to find a way to respond. And I think ultimately it's the Church and people of faith that are the ones that are going to be able to bring healing to our world.
0: We have a lot of work to do moving forward. I want to thank in a very special way. Father Matt O'Donnell, pastor of St. Columbanus Parish in Chicago, for joining us here this morning on Catholic Chicago. Matt, God bless you. Keep up your great work one day at a time, and we're all in this together. I want to thank in a very special way our producer, Jim Dish, and the great work of our engineer, Michael May. To our listeners, please be safe, pray, move forward. God is with us. Now I always keep telling people, choose peace over panic, faith over fear, and wisdom over worry. May God bless all of you, and good day. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.